everybody. Welcome back to the show. I have a treat for you today. Jade Luna is back. He has been on the show three times. He has been an advisor and astrologer to me for I don't even know how long, a very long time. And he's been spot on. (laughs) He's been so helpful in so many ways. I also really respect that he has done so much of his own personal and spiritual work. He has dove deep into many places that few go. And he shares a lot of wisdom. And I think you're really going to enjoy a lot of the wisdom and knowledge he imparts on this episode. Now, you may not agree with everything he says, and that's okay. You don't need to agree with anything anyone says. You want to really feel into what resonates for you. And so much of what he shared today really resonates with me. And there's been so many times where he's explained things to me both in our sessions and on the show where I've just been like, that makes so much sense. And one of the unexpected things we talked about today, I thought we'd talk about where we've been, what's ahead collectively for us. And we dropped into some really interesting conversations around women and our power and how over the years, our power has been in so many ways diminished So you're really going to enjoy that part of the conversation and important for men and women to listen to that. And speaking of dropping into your power as a woman, my signature retreat is coming up in October and our early bird discount is expiring in June. So get your applications in because I am all about, and Jade even says this on the show, one of my missions, one of my gifts is liberating women, empowering women, helping women remember who they are. And this retreat is the most exquisite way that I facilitate that. And so much divine feminine energy comes in during that retreat. So christinehaster.com slash signature retreat, go get your application in. If you have doubt, you can talk to Jill. I promise you won't regret it. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jade. He is the first Westerner ever to reconstruct Hindu astrology into a Greek or Roman format. He became certified in astrology from the AFA in Arizona, Dina Academy in India, and the AIVS in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He's written for several magazines and has been featured on lots of radio shows across the world. Jade is the author of Asterian Astrology and will be releasing an Asteria Astrology Volume 2 in the near future. He's been one of the most successful astrologers in the world and has maintained a high-level practice for more than 18 years. You can learn more at asterianastrology.org. That link will be in the show notes and his email will also be in the show notes as well. Before we dive in, I want to talk to you about a really cool offer from my sponsor, Organifi. You've heard me talk about Organifi for years. You know you get 20% off all your orders, but here's something really, really cool. So they are doing for the summer a sunrise to sun kit set, and with it, you enjoy a 30-day free sample of Pure. So the sunrise to sunset kit includes green juice, So I love green juice. You can reset your body every morning with 11 detoxifying superfoods. Red juice, which is a caffeine-free energy boost provided by nature's five best antioxidant-rich berries. And gold. Ooh, I love me some gold. Ease your body into calm, relaxed state with nine soothing superfoods and adaptogens like reishi mushroom, turmeric, and ginger. I love mixing this with a little almond milk, heating it up. It's my treat for the afternoon. So if you get this Sunrise to Sun Kit set, which is such a great deal, you get a 30-day supply of Pure. So I also love Pure. It's a way to clear your mind with this brain-boosting blend. It's made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain access. It can help you support 
improve. It can help you support digestion, focus, and clarity. So this is a great deal. Go get this stuff. I don't know if any of you are traveling for the summer, but I know when I travel, I love to have things that help me continue to feel good that are easy to pack and Organifi individual packets are just great for that. So go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, enter promo code OVERIT at checkout. The free Pure 30 Count Travel Packs offer is mentioned on the Sunrise to Sunkit page. And it automatically is added to your order after you buy the Sunrise to Sun Kit set. Plus, you receive that 20% off your order. So again, Organifi.com. Use promo code over it at checkout. Jade, welcome back to the show. I'm always thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I love coming on your show. Oh, well, I love talking to you, <laughs> whether it's on my show or whether it's in one of my readings. You just you just get me. And I've known you for a long time. I don't even know when our first reading was, but it's been it's been many years. It's definitely been before right. I met Steph. So thank you for all the insight you've given me into my life. And when people hear the word astrology, some people may be like, ooh, I can't wait to listen. And some people may be like, what? ever woo-woo, quackadoodle astrology. So I'd love for you to just talk about what astrology is, why it's real, and the type of astrology you studied and that you use and why it's different from the astrology a lot of us think of. Well, you know, it's a, it's a question I love answering, and it's a question that always evolves with me as well as I keep learning more and more. You know, astrology is basically the science of the stars. All the word astrology means is science of the stars. So the system of astrology that I use, which is ancient, it's one of the oldest systems of astrology on earth, actually observes the stars in the sky, which means I can take you out. If you were with me here in Joshua Tree tonight, I could take you outside, show you the constellations, and show you where the planets were moving through them. I could even draw out a horoscope based upon just observing the stars in the sky. This is called sidereal astrology, which means star-based astrology. Western astrology, which is what we're familiar with in the West, cannot do any of those things I just said. Mm. It does not observe the stars in the sky. And it's a big conspiracy of why. See, Western astrology is an old calendar we used to use thousands of years ago. An astrologer in ancient time had two jobs. One was to observe the stars in the sky and observe human analysis through the stars moving through the sky. And the second job was creating calendars. So Western astrology, the first day of Aries is the first day of spring. In ancient time, that was our January 1st. And oddly enough, it should be our January 1st. We should start the new year on spring equinox. So if you take Aries, the first day of spring, and then you wrap the 12 months around that day, that's all Western astrology is. It's our old calendar that we used to use. The first day of Aries is the first day of spring. You wrap the 12 months around that. So how is it confused that we have the Western astrology system as a calendar or vice versa? Well, this is where the conspiracy comes in. 
Catholicism created anti-divination laws making astrology illegal. Means the observing mm. of the stars was made illegal. Anti-divination laws are even mentioned in the Bible, and astrology is tagged right after that. So the observing of the stars became illegal. They shut down planetariums. They shut down observatories, which were created just for the observing of the stars in the sky. So what did they do? They put the calendar out. This is Catholicism. Put the calendar out as the zodiac. So people would not observe the stars anymore. Mm. So wherever Catholicism grew, you get Western astrology. Wherever Catholicism did not grow, India, Tibet, Peru, and Egypt, you still get the stars above us. So Western astrology is an old calendar that we should be using for the growing of crops. Hmm. So the calendar months, which is why we call it tropical astrology, the tropics were used to create the calendar. So we should be using Western astrology as the actual real calendar. It's the true seasons we are in, hmm. where observing personality is through the stars above us. So ancient Egypt is the perfect example as they had both – Tropical astrology for the growing of plants and a sidereal astrology for human analysis. So are the Babylonians, and so do Hindus to this day. So we are just using an old calendar as a zodiac. That's what Western astrology is. So even Ptolemy, the godfather of Western astrology who created it, became Catholic in his lifetime, and he himself was used to create anti-divination laws. He even followed a very specific Catholic saint in his lifetime. So the godfather of Western astrology became Catholic, and he was also used as a medium to put these, uh, put the new zodiac into create these anti-divination laws. Mm. So is there any merit to Western astrology in terms of what we're told about it? Like if you go get a reading or is there anything we can get from it? Well, you know, here's an interesting thing is I was once a Western astrologer. And I gave amazing readings, but I would talk to you and I would pull out as much information as talking to you as possible. I would feel things, give you incredible intuitive readings, and sometimes gradually look down at that chart that was in front of me. I even made a good living as a Western astrologer. So there's a lot of intuition involved. That's the reason why Western astrology is survived by highly intuitive people. But if you get a reading by me, which you well know, there's no discussion before our reading. There's no me drawing energy out of you and pulling your my intuition, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. or using my intuition. I give you the science as is. So when you get a reading with me, people say, oh, we have a reading is only 25 to 30 minutes. I'm like, yes, because it's non-interactive. I'm mm -hmm. not reading you. I'm presenting information from this system of astrology. And this system of astrology is so accurate that I believe that when I'm done studying someone's chart in the day, I'm going to be 85 to 90% accurate of who that person, person is, and I don't believe I need to read your energy at all. So now here's how Western astrology has some merit. A Saturn return is a Saturn return. You're going to go through a Saturn return in any system of astrology between 28 and 30. So a Western astrologer say you're going to go through a big period of change at the age of like 30. And the person goes to that change and go, goes, that was really accurate. But it was in the wrong signs. 
And we're able to be far more specific about what's going to happen in that Saturn return. And that is one of the reasons why I'm the only astrologer on this entire planet that predicted the pandemic beforehand. You can read the article that came out January of 2019 because Saturn and Pluto were going to go into Capricorn, the sign of constraint, at the same time. Easy to predict either a pandemic or what I said, a volcanic eruption, kind of making the planet kind of close in a little bit. So those are my, my two predictions that in 2020, because of, of uh, Pluto and Capricorn conjuncting in Capricorn and going into Capricorn at the same time, I knew the planet was going to go into a freeze mode and we were mm. all going to have to go indoors because Capricorn is the sign of constraint. So it was one of the most simplistic predictions to actually make. But you have to use the actual stars in the sky to make a prediction like that. Mm, mm, well, so you're certainly right about 2020. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. And I also did say the pandemic would end in 2023, mm-hmm. not the virus, but it being a mainstream story. I said would go into the, the, the coronavirus would go into the background, but I believe it's going to be there the entire time. Pluto is in Capricorn. So I believe the coronavirus is going to be here until 2040 but not at a pandemic level. As I said, the pandemic would end early this year. Yeah, I remember, I think in the the last podcast, you said March of 2023, or maybe when I interviewed you way back in, I don't know, a few years ago, and you're like, March of 2023, I thought, oh my gosh, (laughs) we've got so many more years of this. But I think about it, I mean, I don't really, I mean, people still get COVID, but it's not, it's not like it was. It's not a huge not a thing anymore. anymore. No, I even think they've lifted the man- mandate to be vaccinated to come into the country. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Okay. So I know for me, when I had my first reading for you, when you told me I wasn't a Virgo, I was a little like, oh, because I was a very attached to being a Virgo. So can you talk a little bit about how um, an Asterian astrology uh, were a different sign? Well, you know, I'm not a fan of the 12 signs anyways. Yeah. I think the concept that everybody born the same month as you has the same personality is one of the most general forms of mysticism I've ever heard. Mm. That is the most simplistic version of mysticism ever. So yes, we get attached to these things because we had them pounded in our head since mm-hmm. we were young. Um, but here is where you're unique, by the way, is in real astrology, you are a Leo, which hence here we are on your podcast. And you know, and the more I know you, the more Leo you become. <laughs> but you then trail a whole host of planets back into Virgo when you use real astrology. You still mm-hmm. have four planets in Virgo. And you know what's interesting? You might have more Virgo in real astrology than you do in Western. Mm. So let's tell you something interesting here. Ancients didn't use your sun sign for your personality. They Mm -hmm. use your moon sign. So the idea that we're our sun sign is relatively new. And that was how Harper Collins, who is responsible for bringing um, Linda Goodman into the limelight and creating a system of astrology that everybody could use in a horoscope. The reason why a sense that, um, you know, you going back to your chart, you are a Leo, which is really what your vocation is. In mm-hmm. ancient time, they looked for the sun as your vocation. They looked for the moon as your personality. And so when people get really attached to their sun sign, I kind of laugh because I'm like, the ancients that created even Western astrology didn't even use the sun sign as your personality. They used it as your vocation. The moon has a very logical reason for ruling over your personality. The moon controls the water and the tides on this planet. 
Mm. And human beings are 75% water. We as beings, as human beings, are the water element. We're not the fire element. We're mm. not the earth element. We are. We're not the air element. We are the water element. So the moon should have a much stronger connection to who we evolved to become from a personality perspective. But let me tell you why I use the sun sign. I use the Vedic version, the Hindu version. The sun is your conscious self. The moon is your subconscious self. So you are going to act like your moon sign, your subconscious self, until you awake into your consciousness, and then you become your sun sign. I believe that personally. Even though the ancients believed the moon sign was your personality inside and out, I believe as we evolve into our higher self, then we start becoming our sun sign, which means you personally would go from a Piscean energy to a Leo energy by evolving spiritually would make mm -hmm. you a leader and the leader of women. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And so, but you have so much Virgo still in this system. I believe in Asterian, you have more Virgo in you than in tropical astrology. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why I resonate with it a lot. <laughs> I think our understandings uh -huh. are, are limited too. And I wanted to ask too, because another system that people are familiar with is Vedic astrology. Uh -huh. So where does that fit in to everything you're talking about? Well, this is where I'm a pain in the ass to everybody, like literally everybody, including Vedic astrology. See, we're in what we call the Kali Yuga, which means whatever goes mainstream is no longer real. Commercialism is ruled by Maya. So the things that – like when people say, oh, that's the hot thing right now, human design or, or manifesting, whatever right. goes mainstream is completely diluted by what we call in India Maya. Maya is ignorance. True wisdom is reserved for the advanced. It's not given to the public. Mm -hmm. Those people that are out there longing for wisdom for lifetimes, they get real wisdom. The public gets general commercialism, so to speak. So Vedic astrology is partially in that mix where Western astrology does not use the real signs. I don't like the house system that is used by Vedic astrology. Mm. So – this, strangely enough, Asterian astrology is a collaboration or harmonization of both, and this was the system created by the ancient Egyptians that later the Greeks took from the Egyptians to create what I call Asterian astrology. So Asterian astrology uses the right sun signs and the right house signs. I do use the Western house system, the equal house system of Western astrology, but I use the signs of Vedic, and that is what the ancient Greeks did. Mm, okay. When you really – it's so interesting. It's like a lesson in history, really learning all this stuff and where everything comes from. And I think that it's important – You know, it's important to know – where we're getting our information from. You know, you want to look at who's delivering it in terms of who's the messenger, who's the practitioner, but also what modalities are they using and what's the history of that modality? Where did it come from? Um, because you're right. Like I, I geek out on human design. I think it's really fascinating and interesting. And in some ways it makes a lot of sense to me, but taking a step back, um, we got to look at, you know, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is we always have to go back to what's really true for me versus what is a what is a mainstream system telling me because i think we can get too over identified with anything well that's one thing to validate sidereal sidereal astrology is the only system which is what i'm saying asterian vedic is it's the only system that has been plugged by saints and masters for thousands of years 
there has never been a saint or a master plugging Western astrology ever. Yogananda, Ramana Maharishi, mm. Babaji, I can go on and on of people that have plugged Vedic astrology. So I follow the system of masters, people who I know for a fact knew, not people with a general idea that write books about asteroids or human design. These are just people with ideas. Right. Vedic astrology has been verified by masters. And let me tell you the, the locations on this earth that use what I use. Egypt, Babylonia, India, Tibet, Peru, the Native Americans. It goes mm. on and on. Western astrology is just commercialism. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, let's take a step back into the past and talk about, because we're recording this really June 2023. I had to think about <laughs> what year it was. Um, I'd love to look back on this year and maybe shed some light because I'll, I'll share personally, there was a time in March that I reached out to you. I was like, Jade, can I have 20 minutes? I don't know what's going on, but I've never been this depressed and I'm actually quite worried about myself. And we had a conversation and you really explained to me what was going on and I wasn't alone. So can you talk a little bit about that particular time? And if you want to go back further into sort of what's transpired this year, I think for a lot of people, it might be a sigh of relief that there was a reason why they were going through some difficult times. Yes. And, and, and that also, again, is going to validate sidereal astrology that April of last year till March 30th of this year was Jupiter in Pisces. Jupiter expands the consciousness of whatever sign that it's in. Well, Neptune last year also went into Pisces. So we had Jupiter and Neptune conjunct in Pisces, where Western astrology had them in Aries. We had them in Pisces. And that conjunction brought some of the deepest depression I have ever seen people go through. I think I told you this. I had days, and I've been doing this for 27 years. I've had days where I had every single client of mine crying, every single one. And I, one night I got off the phone for, with my last client. I'm like, wow, every single client was crying today. This was in March mm -hmm. of this year. And then I got, I got up the next day, gave readings, 10-hour shift again. Every single client I gave a reading to was crying because in March we had Neptune Pisces, Jupiter in Pisces, and then the sun joined it in Pisces. And the combination of those three energies together would produce some of the deepest depression people ever heard. Meanwhile, Western astrology had these planets in Aries. So that depressive energy was incredibly thick. And then what happened in April, Jupiter then went into Aries and just wow. removed that depression and then put stress on everybody instead. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went from this deep depression of Pisces, which lasted till late March, early April of this year, to Jupiter going into Aries. And now everybody has enormous amounts of stress as opposed to depression, including myself. Yeah. 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 It was pretty dark there for a while. I was really yep. like, whoa, what is going on? And uh, I talked to a lot of my friends, especially – you know, a lot of us have a lot of tools, have done a lot of work on ourselves. And we were just like, whoa, what, what is this? And then I remember you telling me like, hang on till April 20th. And even a little bit before then it started to lift, but oh man, it was, it was, it was intense. And it's how, maybe this is a 
ignorant question, but how is it that the stars can have that much impact on us? How does it even happen? Uh, One of the most amazing questions ever. I I love that question. Okay, so the only reason why we are alive is to know who we are as people. We're not here for any reason other than knowing who we are. We're here to become who we are. There is a spiritual force of consciousness. You can call it God. You can call it the universe that actually had to create some type of system to actually create change with humanity here on earth. This goes back to the Vedas, and this is what I'm going to tell you is Egyptian, by the way, in their belief. So this one conscious force that they called Ra in ancient time created divisions in the stars and attributed – and again, Egypt, by the way, used my system. So I want to be very clear about that. No ancient system used tropical astrology. They all observed the stars in the sky. Again, Western astrology is the only system that does not observe the actual stars in the sky. So they say Ra created divisions in the stars, 27 to 28 divisions. I've been able to prove that and verify that. Even the Vedas have the Nixatras, the 27, 28 stars. The divisions of the zodiac are not 12. That's seasonal. The stars have 27 constellations. And then attributed angels or gods, they're the same thing, whatever you want, whatever tradition you belong to, whether it's Christian or whether it's Vedic, angels and gods are the same thing. But they attributed these angels or these gods to these various star systems and worked through them with humanity. So it was a way that God could directly work with humanity, or it's the way the universe could directly work with humanity. And astrology is the original science. It is the greatest system of metaphysics on the earth. Because of that one fact, you're only here to realize who you are. You're not here for any other reason. So astrology is supposed to point you out to who you really are. So this is one of the reasons why I tell people if you're using a wrong system, it's the most detrimental thing you can do to yourself spiritually is to align with signs you are not. Because the only reason you're here and the only reason why astrology was created to help you realize who you are. Now let's go further with Asterian. Asterian astrology is the play of these gods, these angels. India believes there's only one god with multiple multiple personalities and jobs that work on this planet. So the gods are the various personalities of the one which you can have individual relationships with or not. But Asterian is the relationship with these gods directly with humanity. So when you're born under a star, you are directly linked to that particular deity. So Asterian astrology aligns you with your guides. Mm. We don't call them guides. We have names for them. And these guides are working through your astrology chart as your direct link to the divine. So Asterian and – and if you go back and look at my predictions, especially before the pandemic started, I said the god Typhon, who is the Egyptian god Set. A series of eclipses that happened under his star that were highly significant. The eclipse of December 2019 eclipsed every planet under the god Set or Typhon. Set is the god of plagues. It does not matter how this virus got here on this earth. We can blame this man, this side, whatever. It happened, which means the law of the universe permitted this to happen because we're going into a new age entirely. But because Set, the Egyptian god of plagues, which I call Typhon in my system, was going to rule over those eclipses, it was pretty easy to predict a pandemic was coming. That's why no Western astrologer ever predicted it. You have to use the 
27 gods were deities that are attributed to these 27 signs in order to make predictions. And then what did I say June of 2020? I said we're going to run into humanitarian crises mm-hmm. because the eclipses went from Typhon, the god of plagues, to Prometheus, the god of humanity. What happened June 2nd of 2020? Riots started. Mm-hmm. Right? That was Prometheus. I predicted that months beforehand mm-hmm. because of the god Prometheus, the god of humanity. And the eclipses under the god's sign pull out the dark side of that deity. So the dark side of Set, where Typhon was going to be plagues. Or what I said, or, or a volcanic eruption, one or the other, because he ruled over both of those two. Where then Prometheus, it was very easy to say we're going to run into humanitarian crisis. I did not say riots; I said humanitarian crises. Mm. But on the day that the riots started, so this is the Asterian astrology is the direct link between gods, angels, and man. Mm. When you say who you are, I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit because I think we can have a concept of. We can, we can all define that in our own way. I'd love you to explain that a little more. What do you mean when you say so we can realize who we are? I'm going I'm to go take you back to Egyptian mythology, which I believe strongly. We were once in this infinite ocean of light, but unconscious of ourselves. And one day, that consciousness awoke, and the belief was in Egypt the Divine Mother came from that thought. She created the universe, individualized drops of that ocean, and started sending the drops of the ocean through creation. Just for the simple act of going right back to where we came from, infinite infinite conscious light, but awake to who we are. So we were once unconscious that we were infinite light. We go back conscious that we are infinite light. Mm. But that drop is the individual person and being that you are. You are an individual drop of the ocean of consciousness. So am I. But we are uniquely different because that ocean has different aspects to it that infinite light does. They have infinite personalities, which we are. So we are infinite light, and we go back to that realization. And we have to go through the web of illusion, which is what we are here on Earth, just to simply go right back to where we came from, conscious. So belief was the Divine Mother was responsible for sending us back home. So the first, as, as India says, the only birth you had was coming from light into creation, and you only have one death, which is going back into that ocean of light, but conscious. Hmm. So where does reincarnation come into all this? It takes, according to Buddhist thought, eight million lives before you go back what? to consciousness. <laughs> Eight million. <laughs> Eight million. But I'll tell you what, if you're thinking consciously at this time on this planet, you're advanced. And you're you're deep into those numbers. So are we and like at guru, six million or we need Yes. We? <laughs> One of the greatnesses of being around a guru or a master is they can wipe them all out. And they can wow. end all of those lives at once. So there is the greatness of being around a saint or a master is they can actually eliminate those numbers entirely if they feel like it. And then you can just be done? You can be done. It means you infinitely realize your conscious self. Wow. And astrology has always been in every single ancient tradition because it's that guiding force. That's why I don't really care about the 12 signs. They mean nothing to me. When people say, oh, I'm so like this, I'm so like that, it's because they haven't learned about these ancient 27, which were something so much more. Like, like I'll give you an example. I just told you I had a small heat stroke the other day during a Category 4 difficult storm. You know, I grew up reading Taurus, you know, May 8th. 
Well, I went to India. They're like, oh, you're not a Taurus. You're an Aries. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a Taurus. I got Taurus tattooed on my arm. You can't tell me I'm an Aries. And I've been given readings and everything already. And I sat back and thought, and I'm like, oh, you were running back in high school. You were trying to be a running back for the ASU Sun Devils. Uh, you know, it's like I'm a sports fanatic. You know, wave running and being adventurous stuff has always been a part of my life. I've never been practical, conservative, or earthly. And I cannot believe how strongly I identified with being practical, conservative, and earthly. Yet I was bold, brash, and brave yeah. and courageous. And and I have and I, I think that we have when, when you have something pounded in your brain at birth, it's it, it's like a death when you have to let go of it. It's really, really hard. And, you know, so th- that's that, you know, it's like it's uh, astrology is that force that's supposed to guide us back to our natural self. We are an individual drop of consciousness. And here's something fascinating. We keep the same signs over and over and over again. Your rising sun and moon, you keep shifting that's that individual drop of the ocean that you are, and you realize those three signs that rule over your rising, your sun, and your moon. But we're not talking about the twelve signs; we're talking about the twenty-seven. Wait, wait. So you which you keep your rising sun and moon, but they keep shifting between your rising sun and right. moon. Right. You could have, you a, have your next life as an example. You could have a Pisces sun and a Leo moon. Mm, okay. We okay. shift, the, but those three are a part of our identity and we keep them lifetime after lifetime because that's the individual drop of the ocean of consciousness that you are. Wow. So I know you said gurus can wipe lifetimes, can doing spiritual work, consciousness work, personal development work. So let me go back and let me phrase what my guru said. There are only two things that remove your karma, masters and women. That's it. Women? Women do it unconsciously. Gurus do it consciously, but those two forces are responsible for wiping out karma. Women wipe out the karma of everyone around them, and especially during their menstrual cycle and things of that nature. Um, women a- actually do the work of gurus and saints on this planet. They just do it unconsciously. So a guru and women can wipe out your karma. Meditation, things like that are absolutely necessary and highly useful in us realizing who we are. But to wipe out the cycles of birth and death requires females and a guru. Okay. That was a big statement that women can wipe out (laughs) karma. I can't just like, I can't just like go on to my next question. So like we, how do we do that? Because well, I, first of all, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on how women have been <laughs> suppressed and you know, our power has been taken because we are so powerful, you know, just in terms of the, the fact that we birth life. Um, so I, I guess the first question is, why do you think women are more powerful? And or I, I don't know, you're not, you're not saying more powerful, but have the ability to wipe oh, out karma. Oh, I'm going to say they are. Okay. Okay. 100%. Uh, okay. So that, we'll start there and then I'll go to my Eight billion other questions that I have. So you get two men in a bar, and one looks at the other and says, it's time for me to straighten up. I think I'm going to get married. Men know that women are higher. They know it. They don't want to admit it yet. We all know it. Everyone knows it subconsciously. We know the female form wipes out our karma. That's why we feel the need to straighten up. And what is a woman going to do? She's going to straighten our shit up too. She's actually going to do that. And so my guru said things, and I, and I hope some of this is not offensive because I worship the divine feminine. I've worshiped Kali for 27 years now. But my guru would say there's a chaos bu- button inside of a female where it destroys the rational part of a man's mind. 
mind because that rational mind has to go for you to access true wisdom. The intellect is in the way of wisdom. It's actually in the way. You have to learn to pull that intellect back so you can let real wisdom through. So there is a chaos element to a female where she gets upset, irritated, and highly emotional and starts challenging a man to pull that intellect back and to go into your wisdom. And it may not even make any rational sense. often doesn't because it's about the destruction of the analytical mind. That's one component in how it's done is getting a man to release the intellect and to go into his wisdom. A female is forcing that. And the menstrual cycle and the vagina of a female wipes out the karma of men. They collect it take it on. So what a female has to endure emotionally on a day-to-day basis, a man couldn't actually ex- experience what she feels without exploding. Mm. It's like it, what women are. And you know what? In ancient time, this is so interesting. This is history here, not me having an opinion. In ancient time, a female didn't often you know, do a lot of her own things because she was respected as an actual guru. And you nurtured her. You took care of her. That was all morphed into something opposite as dogmatic religion started to come in. Oh, let's take that. We take care of the females. And when they're menstruating, we, have, we tell them they have to even go outside and menstruate in the red tent. You know, they have to. No, it wasn't because it was negative. It was because when a female was menstruating, she was wiping out the karma of everyone in her family. So it's respected. Then that was morphed into it was evil and bad, and they were sinful and all that stuff. That came as dogmatic religion arrived. So men used to respect women like they were gurus. And Mm -hmm. so when they had to go outside to menstruate, it wasn't because, uh, you know, their negative energy was, you know, messing up the household. Mm -hmm. It was because it was a time for them to clear the karma of everyone around them. So through the menstrual cycle, they wipe out karma and they destroy the intellect, that which is in the way of wisdom through what we call the chaos button, which is given to Kali, where a female starts to get mad. She starts to go into what a male would call an irrational place, but she's there to actually destroy that intellect. So a man can access his wisdom. Those two things were respected in ancient Egypt and respected in ancient India. Wow. It's interesting because if you, thank goodness, there's a lot of people talking about women's cycle and what you should do at certain points of your cycle. And everyone says when you're menstruating, that's when you go in the cave. That's when you should meditate. That's when you're most open to spirituality. And it makes sense because when you're menstruating or when you give birth, your cervix opens. And so I've heard so many spiritual leaders talk about how that's your direct channel to God. Like it's just a, like an opening, a port, a portal for lack of a better word. Um, when you say clear out karma, what do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) So karma, this is why, by the way, I've never been a big fan of like manifesting and things like that. We have to deal with our karma, whether we want it or not. We can't just meditate our karma away. It's the balancing of act. And through the balancing effect, means what we put out coming back to us. We go in through this deep lesson of consciousness through the balancing of karma. What we put out comes back to us. But eventually we got to get to a place where we start burning out the karma that we've created so we can go back into our infinite conscious self. Our karma, yin and yang, is the baggage we're carrying through life experiences and through reincarnation. Eventually, as we become older souls, we start to balance out our karma and karma starts to get lighter and lighter and lighter. Well, there are beings that speed that up. And so a female, we believe her menstrual cycle can clear out the karma of everyone around her. 
So what happens when a female goes into menopause? Well, guess what? That state and the heat of her body and all the changes does the same thing. So it's not even just related to the menstrual cycle. Menopause is also a hormonal change. It is still wiping out the karma of men. We have to lighten our baggage. We have to lighten our load. A guru does that and a female does that. Wow. I mean, I don't even know where to begin with how much... (laughs) I want to say to all this, first of all, thank you for bringing this and not just an opinion history. And thank you for that, that just appreciation of the feminine. What can, two part question, what can women do to remember this power and what can men do to revere it? Well, when a female is going through her menstrual cycle or through menopause, I'm not just including the females can even do much more work when the menstrual cycle goes down. But let's just say that day where you're just sitting and brooding in anger because your hormones are putting you there. We believe when a female is menstruating, she's accessing the dark feminine, Icoli, Hecate, the goddesses of the menstrual cycle. They're tapping directly into her energy, forces that she feels on a day-to-day basis. So in the time frame that you're feeling these incredible emotional swings through the menstrual cycle, realize the Divine Mother feels that every single day. You're just tapping into that now. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to take for men to realize this inside of women, but I believe they already know it. A man uses a female to straighten their shit up all the time. We know they are the guru, and that's exactly what women mm. do. They actually go right into liberating a man, trying to turn him into a saint. I want those desires gone. I don't want you to just express those desires. Have you ever been around a guru? They do the mm. same exact thing. Mm. So a female literally takes the role of trying to liberate a man consciously. I don't want those desires being expressed. I don't want these desires being expressed. I want them focused on me. That's the power of the divine feminine there. So men have to learn to honor that. And I think that we got a ways to go in that. Yeah, because it's not called liberating or clearing out your karma. It's called controlling. No. That's what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I make the joke. You should have saw what I went through around my guru in India. Ah. You know, there there was one person and, and a guru has a job to pull your ego up and then you know, pull it up the ladder, so to speak, and then kick that ladder so it falls all the way down. So there's this whole realm of dealing with a guru that in the world that we're living now, there's someone would be like, was that abusive? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But all I know is, man, do I feel all this light moving through my body now. And I'm, I feel all this consciousness moving through my body now. So when you're around a guru, I think that there are certain types of people who can say, well, what you went through could have been abusive. Um, not physically, by the way, of course, but there was this constant challenge with my guru. He always would play devil's advocate to the point where I was like, man, this is exhausting. I'm just being exhausted by this person. Meanwhile, I'd go lay in my bed after an episode with my guru and just have Kundalini moving through my body going, wow, he's just wiping out karma. So yeah, I, I do believe that there's a button inside of the female form that says it's time to pull that intellect back and let this man feel his wisdom. Wow. And that's what happens. In the, and she goes into that moment where she may not be that rational. This is why I don't want to be offensive because I believe also women are even more intelligent than men, by the way, too. I firmly believe that. But I have definitely, as all men ran into that that component, we're like, well, that's just highly irrational or that's crazy talk you're doing right there. Now, we honor that face where the woman says we're going to actually start going after the intellect now so your mind can actually experience wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it comes off as controlling, comes off as, you know, impractical. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, wisdom is higher than the intellect. Mm. And the only way to access wisdom mm. is through the annihilation of the intellect. And a female is already the wisdom of the universe. Yeah. She's already in that wisdom place. The man is more in an intellectual place in some cases. I don't like generalizing in this world that we're in right now, but this is a spiritual, ancient spiritual rule that a female represented wisdom and a man represented intellect. And guess what? I can validate it through astrology. Yeah. The signs that are liberating signs in India, they're called the moksha signs. In Vedic astrology proves this, by the way. The fourth house, the eighth house, and more specifically, the twelfth house are the three houses of moksha or liberation. The fourth house is ruled by Cancer, feminine. The eighth house is ruled by Scorpio, feminine. Twelfth house is ruled by Pisces, feminine. The female form is the liberator. Well, I can't wait to have this conversation with my husband and be like, I'm not controlling, I'm liberating you. Yep. <laughs> oh man, I think so many women, we've been disconnected from our spirituality, from who we are, to use your words, that uh, I, I think oftentimes we have a lot of intuition and wisdom and because we don't know how to channel it, it gets a little messy, you know, it gets a little uh, what's the word? It's sort of like if you don't use a car for a really, really, really long time, it's going to get a little rusty. You're going to have a hard time starting the engine, you know? And I think a lot of women have just been disconnected from from this. So like you said, we have a long way to go, but hopefully we're starting to awaken it again. Um, curious, when we give birth, can we clear karma of the child coming in at all? Well, the answer is Yes childbirth was an act and the reason why it's such an intense experience is the amount of karma that is being cleaned out right before the child takes his first breath when the child takes his first breath there is the goddess hecate who's the goddess kali one's greek the other one is indian um she infuses the karma of the previous lives right there at the first breath so before that first breath is taken there's this whole painful experience of bringing into the universe which is also clearing out his karma and setting it straight. See, when a child is in the womb, the spirit, like an, you know, like an energy force, is kind of pulled into that space, and the womb is actually even removing the memories of the child's previous life. There's so much that goes on in childbirth and pregnancy that has these incredible spiritual vibrations, and we give that again to the female form. She's the one that has to do all that. Yeah, I've always wondered why childbirth has to be so, you know, it can be it can be painful. But what's interesting is even though I had a pretty very long labor and a pretty, I would say, hard birth, I don't remember the pain. I really don't. Like I kind of sort of, but what I remember more was just going into a totally different space inside myself, you know, completely different, like a very spiritual meditative place, even though I was still, it was most, I tell people it was most in body and out of body experience I've ever had. And I remember talking to you at some point in my pregnancy and you telling me she's already decided how she's going to be born. She's already picked the day. She's, it's already happening. Didn't you tell me that, that there's some point in the That's pregnancy correct. where they decide what day they're going to be born and what That's time? Correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And that is it, it because you have to be born under those three. We talked about, there are three signs you are mastering. 
and and again they're connected to the 27 signs not the 12 those three signs you're mastering and that you have to be born under them so if your karma isn't aligning with like your your the date of your birth then it's going to pick another birth date that matches that karmic alignment and that that's a play that goes on during pregnancy there's a lot of spiritual talk going on <laughs> about what time a child should be born. So when someone says, oh, I don't know, you know, how does that make, you know, my child was born like, you know, I had this the other day, eight, eight weeks early. And like, because it didn't see any alignments coming that it could be born under the representative's karma. So I picked the one that it did and it mm. just made it premature. Oh, interesting. Oh, so many rabbit holes I could go down. But I want to shift into looking ahead of what you're, what you're seeing coming in the next year, um, things we should know, things we should be prepared for, a way we can use the energies to really move forward in our life. And I, I want to just give an example. So when I have a reading with you, when there's a certain reading you do, or you give, you give a, a whole year in terms of the cycles we're going to be in, what what we can expect. But something that always goes on my calendar is my challenging weeks. So I know that there are certain weeks that I'm going to be feeling a little off, or that you know I'm going to not going to want to be out too much, doing too many things or making big decisions. So it's just great to have this system to use. So I know you can't obviously do the difficult weeks and cycles of every listener, but can you give us an overview of what may be happening this coming year? Well, this year we have some pretty significant astrological alignments. Well, one of them has already started. Jupiter went into Aries in April. And that's when I told a lot of people, your depression is going to turn into frustration and anxiety. Meanwhile, a much easier energy to handle than depression. And sure enough, I watched depression just vanish in people and all of a sudden stress and anger and anxiety and all these other things that come because that's in Aries. Uh, but Jupiter Aries has some re really powerful components to it. It's great for people starting their own businesses. It's great for initiating great changes in your life. The, the Jupiter and Aries energy, which goes on from – it started April this year and goes on until May of next year, is all about taking the time out and initiating new beginnings in your life and also learning how to enjoy your life. You know, It's like there – look at all the problems on this planet. There is an advancement to learning how to remove the darkness from what's going on in the world and still be able to access joy and happiness. I think that Jupiter Aries is that option to really access a new type of joy and happiness. Be adventurous in this year. Have fun. Meet new people. Go to places you've never been before. Jupiter Aries is great for that. And every time in Jupiter Aries that you go out and do something new, you'll come back and go, wow, I'm really happy that I did that, even though you may not have felt like doing it before. We've, we're kind of being programmed for anxiety and depression right now due to the way of media and the way of the world right now. So Jupiter and Aries is an opportunity. Go have fun. Enjoy your life. Get back in touch with enjoyment and clear out the darkness of what's going on around you and access that infinite solar light that comes from your heart center and enjoy things. Have fun. There's an art and enjoyment. Do it. Now, Saturn is also an Aquarius. Saturn went into Aquarius in January, and that's when I said the pandemic, not the coronavirus, but the pandemic is not going to be a story that's on the top of the news anymore. It's going to go into the background as a news story, yet the pandemic will, I mean, the virus will be around until 2040. So AI, artificial intelligence now is the thing everywhere. That's Saturn and Aquarius. Well, Western astrology has Saturn and Pisces. It's not there. You're going to see Saturn and Aquarius. You're going to see this technology develop. You're going to see AI developing. That's all Aquarius stuff. 
So we're going to feel this incredible technical advancement over the next few years. As a matter of fact, I predicted that when Saturn went into Aquarius, that nuclear fusion would start. You can go back and read the article came out last year, and right when Saturn went into Aquarius, nuclear fusion became a reality. So now we have AI, nuclear fusion. This is all Aquarian stuff. People can sit there and talk about Saturn and Pisces all they want, but we're watching planet display Saturn and Aquarius, including UFOs becoming mainstream stories and stuff like that. That's mm. all Aquarius. <laughs> but now going into the fall, there's a huge alignment of this year, which is Rahu, the North Node, which by the way, is a planet more difficult than Saturn. It always cracks me up in Western astrology. They use the North Node as your future and the South Node as your past. Oh, these are ancient monsters. In ancient time, Rahu ate the sun during an eclipse. K2, the south node, would eat the moon during a lunar eclipse. These were really malefic planets, and they set the stage for eclipses and the negative things that went on on this planet. Well, Rahu, the north node, goes into Pisces. The south node goes into Virgo on November 1st, which I believe we're going to have new illnesses develop then. Mm. Not pandemics. Not predicting another pandemic. I'm stating that we're going to have new types of illnesses developing mental and physical both. So Rahu and Ketu lay down the dark stuff that happens on this planet. Again, eclipses are responsible for the darkest energies dropped on this earth that actually affect humanity. Interesting to note that Egypt called Rahu and Ketu the universe's love for humanity because we as human beings have to eventually get to a place where we go, you know what? I want to go home. I'm not really having that fun down here on this earth plane. There's got to be darker forces out there disrupting this thing. So you start to go, you know what? I want to go home. I don't want to stay here anymore. I'm not having a blast here. I didn't get the white picket fence I wanted. I didn't get this. See, all of this, the suffering that we go through all starts to make us go, you know what? I want to get out of here. I want to go home. That's where the true spiritual path manifests. So I don't see Rahu and Ketu as evil as some ancient cultures have. I see them as the master's love saying, I'm going to stir things up a little bit because I want you coming home. So when they shift into signs, they drop new work onto this planet. Well, I do see new types of illnesses coming through mental and physical uh, later this year and that manifesting until May of 20, 2025. And so you will see that happen where a couple new types of viruses come out, new types of even mental illnesses coming out. And one prediction I made before the pandemic started. The prediction I made about the pandemic was January 7th of 2019, and the article can be seen anywhere um, on my Instagram. But another part of that prediction that I made that got overlooked because of the pandemic was how mental illness would skyrocket after 2020, and it has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. This alignment that starts later this year is also going to move this into a new energy as well. Anything we can do to – because that can feel really scary to hear, right, that new illnesses are coming now, because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I lost someone to COVID or I got really sick with it or I still have after effects of COVID. Anything we can do to prepare ourselves, to prevent ourselves from getting one of these or is it if it's- Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. These issues going on are to make us healthier as people. The age we're moving into, which is the age of chimera, which happens in 2070, we are going to be incredibly enlightened with our health. And so- the people that choose to be more enlightened with their health, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff at all. So do intuitively what you know is the highest thing for your health and just do it. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff then. So in a sense, we have to be taught how to take care of our health. We have to be forced into that. We love food. We love things that are not technically good for our body. I think after Rahu's done with Pisces and Ketu's done with Virgo, 
we're going to really feel that need to stay completely connected to our ultimate health in every which way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and so, no, I think it's a good thing. It's the universe saying, let's grow up, let's take care of our health, and let's do the things that are right for our bodies. Okay. So self-care mentally and physically. You got it. Well, that's great because hopefully we'll all be in our joy and doing new things that so will have lots of energy to, that's to focus on our self-care. Happiness yeah. is right now reserved for the people that are conscious. Mm. If you're not conscious, it's impossible to be happy with all the turbulence on the world, in no. the world right now. So clear that stuff out. There's an infinite light in your heart chakra. Go in there, have a good time. There is an art form right now in having fun. Mm. What would you say to the people that, um, like, okay, are either so in their own difficulty that fun seems completely impossible because they're just in their own trauma or difficulty or um, have been financially struggling for years. And then to people who are just so empathic and feel the world and feel everything that's going on and how many people are suffering and go, how can I have fun when there is so much going on? It still, it's, it requires to clear out that darkness and enjoy your life because if you're enjoying your life, you're going to actually benefit everybody around you by – you'll be encouraging joy in them as well. Um, being an empath, you know, as my guru would say, as you advance spiritually, you don't feel less. You feel more. That's just a part of the spiritual path that we have to feel everything going on the planet out here. You know, saints and masters, you know, it's like, you know, my guru in India would always say that St. Francis of Assisi just felt a fingernail of what Christ felt, just a fingernail. Mm. And look at what he went through. He said, the suffering is, is, is out there. It's great. You still have to find enjoyment in the midst of all of that. That's consciousness. It's awakeness. You know, so how can we, you know, you know and, and also some people, you know, I, ha- I hate saying this, but when we think of ego, we think of the ego saying, oh, I'm great. The mm. ego can also say, I'm worthless. It's just self-focus. If you're not having a good time, maybe you're too focused on yourself. Mm. You know, maybe you should focus on other people. Get out of that space and take care of people. It's, this is gonna be offensive to some, but it's slightly narcissistic to be sitting in your own shit all day long. You know, it's yeah. like, get out of it, go take care of other people. It's just ego. Ego is I'm greater than, or I'm not good enough. That's just self-focus, get out of it. You have gifts inside of you, access them, help other people with those gifts. That's yeah. that's what you do if you're suffering. Go help other people. I just had this conversation with two people last week, you know, and one of them was, you know, a wife that was creating a big stir in her family because how miserable she was. And she did not expect my words. I'm like, how narcissistic. I know you've been through these things, but look at this depression and sadness you're creating for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. That's self-focused. And I said, you know what? Do you have a job? I already knew her answer. No. I'm like, go serve people. Go mm-hmm. take care of animals. Go take care of people. Get out of yourself. Yeah. That's my message. Do something. Have fun. Go do something. And if you don't have the money to do it, go hiking. I live in Josh Street. It doesn't require me money to go have an enjoyment mm-hmm. in my backyard. It's like we can get out of ourselves mm-hmm. if we're consciously awake. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's one of the many things I love about my job because things I can be – feeling crappy or feeling sorry for myself or whatever. And I get on and coach someone or I get on one of the calls or I, you know, or even do something for my daughter and it just pulls me right out. It really does pull me right out. And I think that's important to know. I think it's important to do our work, do our own healing work and, but not be, not become immersed in it, not let it become our identity, not let our, like you said, like our, our, um, 
our, our woe story or whatever it is become so paralyzing because that just makes it worse. It doesn't help. It really doesn't help us move forward in any way. And see, so you, you know your gifts, and I believe that one of the most powerful things on earth is that we have these gifts inside of us. Yeah. And we need to use them, whether it's for a person or for 100,000 people. It doesn't matter how many people are there. Use them for anyone. You know. And I think when you're in a life where you're emphasizing your gifts and abilities, that's confidence. That's not ego. Ego yeah. is I'm greater than or I'm not good enough. That's self-focused nonsense. Your gifts are where your confidence reside. We are supposed to be confident, fulfilled people. Absolutely. I want a bunch of confident people out there. You know, and we reward confidence. And I tell people often, confidence will sit in your banking account and wealth. Ego, greater than or not good enough, it's not sitting in your banking account. Right. It's re- it's restricting your banking account. Right. The universe does not reward I'm better than or I'm not good enough. It, re- it, it, it rewards people who are confident in their gifts and abilities. Yeah. So being able to know what your gifts and abilities are is highly important. And if you don't know what they are, you're not listening. And you have to ask yourself why you do not want to know. Mm, well, that was going to be my next question. What about for the people that feel like they don't know their gifts? They, they know, know what they're here for. They just don't want to. Some people, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm being critical. Some people are lazy because mm-hmm. to access their gifts means they have to go serve other people and make a productive life out of themselves. And they pattern themselves not to have a life like that. So they actually don't want that answer. Mm. Oof. <laughs> ah, that, that was very guru of you, Jade. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't believe we're already at an hour. What have I not asked yeah. you that you feel important to share? Well, you know, I addressed the most important thing that I wanted to address today, which was having fun. I really firmly believe that we need to be out right now having a good time, meeting new people, go to places you've never been before. If, if you don't have money, go hiking. You can still meet people. There are things we can do to connect because Jupiter and Aries is this option to learn to enjoy our life again. We just went through hell and there's more hell coming. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, you know, that we have to embrace that. I'm just saying it's what I know life is to be. <laughs> Let me validate that just real quick because I know we're in a hurry. No, okay. Astrology is the lesson of the universe here. So let me explain something about why it's so important to endure suffering and get beyond it. Saturn is a challenging planet. Mars is a challenging planet. The North and South Node are challenging planets. Mercury is adaptable. He adjusts to whatever planets are around him. The Moon is adjustable. She adapts to whatever planets are around her. Pluto is challenging. Neptune is challenging. Only Jupiter and Venus bring joy. Mm. That should tell you what life is about. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to embrace the shadow self. So access that Venus and Jupiter in yourself, Mm. that parts of you that want to enjoy and have fun because we have a shitload of planets around us that are there to bring us challenges Mm. because through the challenges, we wake up. If you're having a perfect dream where everything is going your way, think about dreaming at night and you're winning the lottery. Ah, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, put me back to sleep so I can actually go win that lottery. Yeah. But if you're having a challenging dream, you stand up and you turn that light on. It challenges in life teach us to turn that light on. So life is going to be that way. If you can embrace that, you don't have to deal with the challenges so much. You know what to expect. Life is going to be about challenges and opposition. If you can embrace that, if you can accept that, 
you're going to have peace and joy throughout this planet. If you keep fighting that, you're challenging it deeper. So one of the things that I see in my work is people just keep repeating the same patterns and patterns over and over again until they heal something. So let's use the example of someone that grew up in a household where they felt um, suppressed. They weren't, they weren't able to express themselves. Um, they felt like their emotions were wrong and they just had to like be good and become a people pleaser to survive. So they go and then attract a boss where they have to be like that, a relationship where they have to be like that. It just kind of keeps happening. They keep drawing these experiences to them, you know, and the way I explain it or the way that I've understand it is that there's an unresolved thing from childhood. Um, and we keep playing out that pattern over and over till we do the work to shift it. So we stopped attracting the same type of experience in over and over and over again. And I see this no matter what somebody's astrology is. So how would you explain that from your perspective? I'm going to pull that though right into proper astrology. Okay. Your moon sign is your subconscious mind. Uh, it's the patterns that you are in over and over again. When you start to awaken and when you start to become conscious, you will drop those patterns. Yep. But that can even take lifetimes. Patterns come from the subconscious mind. And we become slightly addicted to what we grew up knowing. We yeah. literally do. We keep attracting it. So our subconscious mind is your moon sign is predominant until you step into your sun sign. When you step into your sun sign, that means you're starting to, you're starting to embrace consciousness and you start counteracting those patterns for yourself. So it is about the path of becoming conscious. Yeah. That is your sun sign. And that's why I do talk about sun signs. Uh, even though all ancient cultures, including, you know, Greece in ancient time, I was able to validate when people talk about sun signs and moon signs that no Greeks actually only use your moon sign for your personality because kings would put their head on one side of a coin and put their moon sign on the other side of the mm -hmm. coin. And the moon signs they put were sidereal, not tropical. Another way I validated that the Greeks did not use tropical astrology. They use sidereal. But back to your, your statement. No, there's a point where you become conscious enough where you're like, I'm done. No. I am done. Unfortunately, that can take a really long time. Your moon sign holds your patterns. Your sun sign frees you from those patterns. So that. there is an art form in learning to become devoted to your sun sign spiritually. Only through these 27 signs can you do that because there's a God or angel rules over your sun sign. And that one can actually help break your patterns. Mm. Oh, so powerful. I'm glad you come on my show every year because I always have so many questions and I never get to I all of them. Well, we have to do it more than once a year. Um, I know a lot of people are going to want to contact you and a lot of people are going to want reading. So how do people do that? Asterian Astrology, A-S-T-E-R-I-A-N, Asterian Astrology at priest.com is my email address. Asterianastrology.org is my website. Okay. And I'll put both of those in the show notes. And I know that you probably have a very long waiting list, but people so hop on this quick because it's, it's worth it. And when people do that, their first reading with you, tell them what they get. Cause I think that's very interesting. You get your, your natal reading from this ancient system. And I tell people you have to get your initial reading. I call it the karmic session because more than likely you've never had it with these 27 signs. 
and I want to align people with the actual stars above us, not that old calendar that they're using in tropical astrology. I want you, I want people to get their initial reading with me, which covers the cycles you've been in, the cycles you're going into, and then we get into your natal chart with these 27 signs, and we talk specifically about the, the angelic or godly forces that exist over your chart and your relationship to them. It's mm, so interesting. I, I do it every year and I do it for myself and the Athena and stuff. And it's so useful <laughs> to yes. us. So thank you. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. I just want to acknowledge all the work that you've done. You haven't had a, you know, sit back, relax, kick up your feet all the time life. You've definitely gone into the fire <laughs> many, many times yes. and have chosen this path of awakening. Not many people decide to go to India and be sit with a guru. I think people sometimes have the image of sitting with a guru. It means you just meditate all day and, you know, just reach enlightenment by being in their presence. But like you said, it can, it, it really is pushing you beyond yourself so you can know yourself again. Um, and that, that's right. That is not an easy path. So thank you for your courage. I just really acknowledge all the work that you've done. Thank you so much for bringing me on your show. I appreciate it every year. <laughs> 